Discover how DOD is pushing cloud to the tactical edge. Join Federal News Network March 21st through March 23rd for our third annual DOD Cloud Exchange. I'm Tom Tammen. My colleagues and I will be talking to technology leaders across the Defense Department, intelligence community, and the armed services to understand and share how DOD is advancing cloud for tactical demands. On day one, we'll kick off with DOD's Deputy CIO for Information Enterprise, Lily Zalecki. Register now at federalnewsnetwork.com. We could get Bill WD-40 into the chat room to lube us up for tonight's show. Sea Warrior Sun, how are you? Thank you for joining us. As we continue on with Roll Call here, we are running out of time. Raven McMinn, thank you for coming on in. Hi, Jen A. How are you? Toe Tag, Pat Tui, nice to have you both here. Carlito, thank you for joining us. And that's right, this is a Davocracy, not a democracy, right there. That's right. Carlito, thank you so much for the super chat. Very much appreciated, man. Thank you so much. Doug Shelby is here. The Doug Shelby has arrived, which means we can officially start this show in like 10 seconds. Hi, Sparkles. How are you? Joey Zed, good to have you here. Love v. Love, thanks for coming on in. Hi, Politically Incorrect. We are running out of time. Horsey, welcome back to SOR Chat. Do me a favor, everybody. Horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old davy the favor hit that subscribe button you can follow us on twitter at spaced out radio instagram at spaced out radio show and on tiktok at spaced out radio our website spaced out radio.com we have a plethora of features for you rock out to bumblefoot read the newswire check out our swag as well tonight's uh, show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a power show ready for you tonight. Our Keith Andrews and the ET Connection are back as Keith will get into all the serious woo that we need. And, and let's face it, we always need a good fix in a woo by the time our Keith Andrews comes around. So we are just uh, waiting for Keith to join us. Then in our number three, we will be heading to the swamp with our resident swamp dweller. Then Tim Senor is here with the news on the UFO report. We're going to get into something tonight with Tim. UFO lobbying in Washington, D.C., Believe it or not, there is a thing, and it's starting to happen. We're going to get into that with Tim on the UFO report. But first, 
Let us introduce you to our good friend, R. Keith Andrews. Keith and I have been doing this segment for almost eight years now that we call the ET Connection. Keith is a lifelong experiencer of alien contact and extraterrestrial phenomena. He has been having it happen since early childhood, and it's gone up right to today where, well, now he's retired and he is still looking for the aliens that are flying over his head and taking him. Yep, it is a lifelong passion for Keith now to help counsel those who are there with him having experiences or people who just do not understand what they are going through in their own experiences as well. If this is your first time hearing Keith, well, be prepared for a little bit of tinfoil to go on your hat because, yeah, it's going to get wild. Our Keith Andrews, my good man, it's always a pleasure to have you here. How you doing, my friend? Oh, Confusing myself and apparently kicking myself out of your studio a second ago. I saw that. I was like, uh, what are you doing, Keith? What's going on there? But that's okay. I we- had too many, too many windows open and I was shut down the wrong one. Well, that's okay. That's okay. The main thing is we got you here and it's always good to see you back on Spaced Out Radio. And, and you know what? You are just about 500 subscribers away from getting your YouTube channel monetized. So we got to tell people to head on over to your YouTube channel and, and hit that subscribe button. It's youtube.com forward slash R Keith Andrews. So make sure you all head on over there and and check it on out and hit that subscribe button. But Keith, there's always new listeners each and every time you come on. And as I was explaining in the intro, this has been happening to you. This this contact has been happening to you since you were a child, and it's happened right through to now. When you were younger, was the contact happening more frequent than it is now? Um, Not so much more frequently, but definitely more violently. When I was about three years old, the Talons decided to find out just how flexible how flexible I was. They snapped my arm off the elbow and then reattached it. Right. Well, what do you think caused that? What were they doing there? In their case, they were looking for weak points in the human body. Oh, wow. Wow, that's, that's a really say, fun. Not a pleasant, not a pleasant issue. For some reason, them and I don't get along all that well. No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. So so the idea that this has been happening to you now, what is contact like for you now? Quite frankly, I find it easier than contact with people. Why? That I'm not entirely certain of. I do know I can be in a room full of various different races and have no problem, various different species and have no functional problem. That may be just because of the fact I'm working when I'm there. But there's one restaurant in town I go to in, in the city here. They've got seating for about 100 people, and you get over 25, and I start getting edgy. It really is. Needless to say, I don't go out a lot. Why do most ET contactees seem to become introverted around people? Because the moment you open your mouth and say, this is what I've gone through, even amongst the UFO community, I've found you get looked at very, really kind of cockeyed. You know, people say most and many of the people in the UFO community that I've run into 
have said, you know, I deal with this all the time. And the second you say, I've been through this, they look at you and it's like, no, there's no way. You're just making that up to, to get you to get into make a name for yourself. You know, and for me, it's just, you know, if I could make a name for myself, that wouldn't be it. If none of this ever happened to you, what do you think you would be doing today? If none of this had happened? Yeah. A number of things, but had my sense of direction actually remained intact, I'd probably be a long-haul trucker. thing that stopped me there was my inability to track where I am and a bad leg. That'll do it every time, because you don't want to carry that <laughs> yeah. truck around. I should give me 40 acres. Okay, so the idea that this has been happening to you for a long time, how, how easy is it for you to recognize whether or not someone has had ET contact of their own? Usually inside about the first five minutes of talking to them. Okay, explain that it, for me. Go into detail. Well, there's something different about the way that, that actual contactees interact and how they respond to, to to normal mundane issues as compared to ones that that claim to have walked in it and claim to have dealt with it. There, there's just, there's a missing component. And the best I can tell you is it feels different. You know, of course, being a, being born an empath, it's really, you know, you learn to, to rely on what you're feeling more than what you're seeing. Okay. Like I remember, I remember being at one conference where virtually everybody I talked to was telling me they recognized, you know, they deal with, with ETs on all bit with try English on an ongoing basis in real time. And yet when we had one show up on site, nobody recognized it for what it was. Can you easily in the opposite direction tell whether someone is BSing about their experience or not. Oh, yeah, because it smells funny. Explain that. Um, okay. Every sound somebody makes, every, every, like, when somebody says something, it doesn't only carry vote on the auditory side. It lo the energy looks different, smells different, and feels different. See, more often than not, if somebody is, is claiming to have had an encounter, they usually go, the majority of them, go straight for, I was talking to the, to the queen of such and such or the king of such and such. There's virtually never any mundane interaction. Right? They're always right smack in the middle of the spotlight. And one of the biggest things that tells me that you're looking at a, at a problem is the ones that come back going, the world's going, the world is about to be invaded. That's what they're planning on. Okay, and the reason I say that is a red, is, is a great big red light for me is because knowing what I know about the, about the off-world technology and, for that matter, about tactics, you never tell an a adversarial force you're going to attack tomorrow morning. So you know, ba basically, if I heard that correctly, 
somebody who is telling you, saying that their ETs are telling them they're getting ready to attack this planet, you know they're full of crap. Yes. I mean, you think of it this way. If an off-worlder was going to attack this planet, first of all, all you got to remember the technology level they have. Second of all, you know, humans know what an EMP pulse has, it does. It wipes out all electronics that are attached. Right. Okay. But the off-worlders have something that fires on a sub-quantum level and will wipe out all component parts that have been built. Okay. They won't bother with the ones that are powered up. They will just take them all out. And they'll do it from the far side of Mars. You know, the the reality is if they were going to attack, which they're not, they would take the they'd take the planet before you even knew the war was started. Right. No, I, I understand with where you're coming from uh, on that. You know, I'm just kind of curious about the whole aspect of of people right now. I want to focus on people, not the aliens, because, you know, there are a lot of people out there right now in the UFO world who are trying to get their 15 minutes of fame, whether it's on podcasts, documentaries, uh, television shows, whatever it may be. You know, right. and, and it seems like the popular thing to do right now is to come out saying, I'm an alien experiencer. You know, it's that too, right? Yes. You know, the the reality of it is, you know, if I had my druthers, frankly, I wouldn't bother with it. I don't get that option. You know, but no, the, the reality is the reason so many people, and I'm, I'm just surmising, I cannot speak for anybody in particular, but the majority of them, as near as I can figure, it's like, okay, first of all, there's this great big UFO up, upsurge in UFO, in UFO interest, which is great. But now everybody is trying to step into the spotlight and go, I had it, you know, I had it. I've written a book. I've seen some books come out and you're looking at them going, well, this would make a great Hollywood script, but it's missing some sort of, some continuity to it. Yeah, you know, when you think about it, um, Ronald Reagan actually said it best. When he set the stage and he goes, I think what human what humanity needs is an off-world threat. And the reality is the threat is the last thing that the human race needs. We've got enough of them. But people are so lost in their own world that they're looking for something else to make to make their world seem a little bit more exciting than the than the situation they're in. And ETs are a great are a great focal point. That is very true. That is very true. And, you know, with that being a focal point to what is going on, is that good for the subject because it's bringing attention to it? Or is it bad because it's, you know, pushing a narrative that simply isn't true? That depends on the, on the if you will, the reporter that's working in, in that field. Because it will tell you this. If the reporter is is buying into the idea that they're gearing up for an attack and you start pushing that and don't start shutting it down, then what ends up... And I realize there's this thing about freedom of speech and that whole nine yards. You know, but if the, if the reporters that are, are dealing with the interviews are permitting the concept of, oh, they're going to attack and we're going to die at this point, 
I can't tell you the number of times I've heard that the world was ending for various different reasons. But as long as the reporters doing the interviewing do not encourage that kind of, of thought process without pushing the question on a logical base and absolutely go the military route, if they are planning on attacking, what makes you think humans have a snowball's prayer, aside from Hollywood? But you got to remember, the computers that mankind has, compared to the ones the off-worlders have, it's kind of like the the uh, the advocates attached to the to the modern day IBM. Okay, so what do you think the United States military is seeing, especially out in the water? Uh, specifically, I don't know. I can tell you they are seeing off-world craft coming in. There is no question there. Okay, they are, and they know full well there are off-worlders showing up. There are also ancient races they are fully aware of have resurfaced. The difference being, off-worlders come from another planet. The ancient races evolved here. Are they time travelers? No. Now, the thing with time travel, that's one of these really screwy things I get into a lot of conflict with people. You can jump forward in time, but you can't get back once you do. There is no reverse time travel. Just can't be done. Mm. Mm. All right. You know what? We got some questions starting to come up for you here, Keith. And we ask and encourage all of our guests are in our chat rooms to put your questions in capital letters so that way we could get them to Keith. Keith, Matt Geek is kicking things off tonight. And is asking, do ETs know when humans are telling the truth and being honest with them when we talk? Not always. Depends on the on the, it depends on the on the individual, not the species. Because even the telepathic ones can't always tell if you're being honest. Because the reality is, if you believe what you're telling them, they'll read it as being honest anyway. But it's more of an issue of some are trained and have studied humans long enough to know which which humans are being honest. Makes sense. Makes sense. So they have their own lie detector test built in. Essentially, yes. You know, ultimately, that is what you're looking at. Hmm. Don't mess with the aliens. Don't lie to them. It's not a Pinocchio I'd recommend situation. Not personally. Right. Right. I can see that. I can see that. All right. Let's get to another question from our audience here. This was more of a, yeah, this is Terry's question here. Keith, what do the aliens think about the Chinese spy balloons? And do these balloons piss them off? Well, the balloons certainly don't tick them off at all. As far as what they think about them, I mean the the uh, the the thought processes get a little a little varied by person, but um, you know they look at it going, it's another modern tech, and these and these people are still looking for ways to kill each other and wondering why we haven't brought them into the into the consortium. 
you know, one of the qualifiers that the consortium has is you've got to have a, a, a one-world government, as in the people around the world, for the majority, have to accept that all of that each of them, that each person, is of value. Okay, this does not mean, by the way, one-world government does not mean one person sitting at the helm. It's more along the lines of having a, having something set up like what humans call the UN. Okay, but they're watching people still spying on each other instead of coming right out and going, this is what we're looking for. Right. right. You know, man- mankind, according to them, is still a very violent race that has missed the whole point of war, which has nothing to do with, with uh, technological advancement. Because in case you hadn't noticed, it's easier to actually develop something technologically if you're not ducking bullets. Very true. Very true. Okay, let's go to another question here. And this one comes from... This is more of a comment, but I I think I'd like to hear your opinion on this. This comes from Alien Critter. Aliens won't attack or take over Earth because there are many different alien races with a vested interest in Earth. What's your thoughts well, that on certain, that? That is certainly part of the issue. There are there are way more races, never mind the consortium itself. But when you're dealing with literally hundreds of different races floating around here right now, um, yeah, one person tries to take it over, and you can bet there's going to be a land battle. Earth won't survive anyway. Or more to the point, the peoples of Earth won't survive. But it's anybody's guess which race would grand would end up with it, assuming you take the take the consortium out of the equation. Okay. So what is this vested interest? Is it water? Is it elements? Is it is it uh Things like cobalt or diamonds or gold or silver. What is it that they want? It's a subquantum neural net. Sign up for the Planet Fitness Black Card for $1 down, $24.99 a month, and get a free Amazon Halo fitness tracker. Deal ends March 15th. 12 month commitment applies. See Home Club for details. When you stay at a Verbo, the host doesn't stay with you. Because a vacation home with a stranger sounds a little bit like a horror movie. Only whole vacation homes. Always private. Book on the Verbo app. Yes, I will explain that further. <laughs> you know, yeah, please do. All life on Earth is connected. Okay. And the triple helix is the actuator of said connection. Now, if I, I'm probably speaking in a language that many of you are looking at me going like, what are you talking about? Okay. When you look at the, at the information tra- um, transfer between people, like between the various species, we'll start with humans and plants. Okay. When you realize what kind of, a, of an incredible communication line that is and data transfer, there is so much information here. It's kind of like an extremely elaborate, elaborate um, library of Alexandria from our own history. Okay, but with a whole lot more information. 
Right. The other thing you got to remember is the Kaboran that we live on, okay, is not up for grabs. Now, let us not forget, you've got all these alien races flying around, but the planet that we actually live on is another race, and it also has friends, and this could be a mess if you if you think about it. Right. Okay, let's get to another question from our audience here. Let us go to uh, Doug Shelby, the Doug Shelby is asking, did you get a laugh over the recent balloons, Chinese or otherwise, and specifically that the balloons were called UFOs? Well, the fact that the balloons were called UFOs makes total sense. UFO, unidentified flying object. The balloon is, in a sense, flying. If you don't recognize it, it's a UFO. Okay, and most people that saw the balloons didn't recognize them. So to go with the with the ongoing vernacular, it would stand to reason they'd call them UFOs. Right. Right. Okay. No, and I understand with what you're saying there. I do. You know, but I guess good press is press at any time, right? That's the saying I've heard. Now, personally, I'm a firm believer that... Proper press is far better than, well, I really can't Well, you know what? We're at commercial break here at the bottom of the hour with our Keith Andrews and the ET Connection. We will continue with Keith answers on your questions. If you're in one of our chat rooms, let's get aliens. Let's get woo tonight. There we go. We are clear. Right. Interesting questions right off the top. I know. Yes, I know. Uh, let's see. What am I missing here? Joseph Delvecchio, welcome to the chat. Rano Err. Uh, let's see. Am I missing any? I think I got all the all the questions up here so far. All right. Just give me two seconds, Keith. Absolutely. Jay Burke, how you doing? <clears throat> Kira, I got my blazer back. And it looks good. Real good. It won't make his debut until San Francisco, though. I think I'm going to have a little iced tea. That reminds me, I got me a king. I'll do that after the show, though. Hey, Nicholas, how you doing? Did you say tang? Yes. I haven't had tang in years. 
Not my fault. I usually try and keep it in the house. Wow. Do you have Sanka coffee too? I do not drink instant coffee. (laughs) Come on. I got the orange shirt for Sanka. But no, I got, I actually was emptying out a storage unit yesterday. Yesterday, the day before, and found out I had another kilo of coffee in backup. Oh, my goodness. So I've only got three kilo in backup now. As in about eight pounds. Oob to Joe's Bane, you've got aliens. I am Pam, by the way. Everybody, I am Pam. I am Pam. Well, I will tell you, Dave, you look a lot different. I am Pam. Mm-hmm. You're not Pam. I am Pam. Horsey says, I'm a five alive guy. I used to be five alive until it started giving me heartburn. Pam. Look at Pam. She's arguing with me. I am Pam. She's like, no, I am Pam. No, I am Pam. Uh Uh-oh. I am Pam. BMR's just gone in. He's becoming, I am Pam. He's becoming. I know. Uh, uh, Pam Smith says, I am Pam too. Well, you know, if everybody were called Pam, we could just go, hey, Pam, and we'd get everybody answering. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh Oh, there we have Pam. I am. (laughs) Mm hmm. My goodness. Uh, love v love. I want to see you in that purple El Vlavdi Volador shirt. Uh, uh, look at this. How do you know I am not Pam? I am Pam. See, check my name. Check my name. I am Pam. I don't know why you're arguing. Well, I'm not happy with the answer. Raz, I am Pam Airlines. That's funny. We're just not going to touch that. That's just way too bad and too easy of a setup. And we'd get in trouble. I am Pam. A lot of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, we got uh, about a minute here. Thank you tonight to Simon Times 3, Louie, Carlito, Big J, Larry, Pam S, Pam H, because I am Pam, Michael, Maggie, and Atlantis for the amazing Super Chats tonight. I am Pam. And uh, we appreciate your love and support of Spaced Out Radio. And uh, don't forget, in two weeks' time, you can meet Kira and myself at... UFOCon2023 in San Francisco, California. Go to UFOCon2023.com. Get your tickets today. And if you can't make that, we want to see you in Las Vegas for our second annual fan party at the Golden Nugget. Go to uh, info at spacedoutradio.com. Info at spacedoutradio.com and get your tickets today. 60 bucks for regular tickets, $100 for VIP. And we'll get into it more later. Here we go. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. 
My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, I am Pam. I am. I am Pam. Check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. And here we go. We got our Keith Andrews and the ET Connection coming on in here. And, of course, we want to uh, say hello to Keith, who is uh, somebody who comes in near the beginning of each month to talk about everything extraterrestrial and supernatural. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate you, my man. Well, thank you very much for having me, and thanks so much for everybody joining us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's it's great. Uh, We are going to get to another question here from our chat room starting off with atlantis are there any of the aliens from atlantis here and if so are they still using the old education great question um hate to tell you this dave but if i'm reading that right it's the old location oh location sorry and the answer is number one are they still in the area yes okay or more to the point they're back in the area Are they still using the old location? Well, technically the answer is yes, but the question would seem to infer that they're still located on Earth. Only the old location never stayed on Earth. The wreckage... When you stay at a Verbo, the host doesn't stay with you. Because a vacation home with a stranger sounds a little bit like a horror movie. Only whole vacation homes. Always private. Book on the Verbo app. Automation is powering what's possible for businesses of every size in every industry. Unlock your potential at Automate, the largest showcase of robotics and automation in North America, May 22nd through the 25th in Detroit, Michigan. With over 600 exhibitors, 200 speakers, and more than 25,000 registrants, there's no better way to power your business. Register for free at AutomateShow.com. That's AutomateShow.com from it uh, it did but if you look at the fact the fall lines of the Bimini Islands compare those to the fall lines of the towers when the shuttle launches and you'll find a a striking similarity but they're actually in orbit hmm hmm okay so if they're in orbit where are they hiding Well, the neat part about Atlantean technology is blocking and blocking Terran sensors is child's play. I mean, you think about it, they were thousands of years ahead of of mankind before. They still are. The thing is, and and the, the Atlanteans especially know this, if humans would actually work together they would already be running with crystal computers. And that result, they'd be able to sense anything to detect a pile more. But there are, there are around the world that I'm aware of, there are at least four different countries 
that have part of the crystalline computer computer figured out. And they quit shooting at each other and quit arguing with each other. They'd make a heck of a sight better headway. Excellent. All right, let's move on to Cindy here. Are the blonde aliens an ancient race, angelic or off-world? That is who I have seen. Okay, well, that sort of depends on which ones we're referring to, because there's a fair number of blonde ones. But the usual ones that are um, that are referred to are 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 off-world. Now, when you look at the angelic, the angelic race is really neat. Okay, because some of them are blonde, but they're also winged. They stand out kind of kind of kind of wide. The Aldebarons are the ones that most people refer to as the, as the tall blondes. And they're definitely off-worlds. You know, and of course the Nordics, well, they're off-worlders. And most of them are blonde. So it's sort of a yes and no. Because if you, if you look at the ancient Elfid that are, are an ancient race... On the one, on the one, the one stream of them are very are. I was going to say they're blonde, but they're not exactly blonde. They're a little bit more starlit than anything else. So I'd be inclined to say if if this if Cindy is if you're referring to the tall blondes that most people do, you're dealing with off-worlders. Cindy says he had a blue uniform. Probably Aldebaran. The fact that we're dealing with uniform. Let me just double check something here. I should have it up on my computer. Uh, volume 2. Because the Aldebaranians I put in is in Volume 2. Uh, let's go back up here. I actually pulled it up and left it there. I left it on, on my computer to be able to track this sort of thing down. Where are Al? There we go. I'm just looking. And he had tall boots on. Yeah. That would be, in all likelihood, she's dealing with the Aldebarans. And they are definitively off-world. Considering they come from the Aldebaran star system. All right, let's move on to another question here. D. Cohen is asking, why is it they can study us, but we can't study them. Nobody said you couldn't. The human governments around the world have been have been studying them for, for decades. Tried doing it for centuries, but it didn't work out as well as they would have liked. But the, and the biggest difference is they've got better technology than we do. You know, it's a little hard to get a to get a you know a PT cruiser. To snag, a, to snag the pilot off of a UFO. That is for a UFO to snag the driver out of a PT Cruiser. That leads me to a question I've never asked you. Out of all the crashes that have allegedly happened or contact that has happened, have, has any government that you know of ever come across a crash retrieval where a human was actually flying the craft? 
Because we know they do allow some humans to do that. They do. Now, whether they, whether the, um, I know they've come across a craft where it did happen, but I don't know if they found the human body in, involved. Okay, and that would be the one that happened off in Nova Scotia. That one was pilot error because it was a human, a human fighter pilot that didn't quite understand the the workings, and shall we say. Turn and turn left and turn left instead of right way. It was way too close to the water. Okay. What I don't know is if the if is if humans actually retrieved the human body. Interesting. Interesting. All right, let us move on to another question here, R. Keith, and the E.T. Connection. Let us go to, let me see here. Let's go to Michael. Is our future really needed, or is our future really need required or require conscious development? Does our future really need or require consciousness development? Well, consciousness development? Uh, well, essentially, yes. Or you'll burn yourselves out and blow yourself back to the Stone Age. If people don't learn, if, they do, if you guys do not figure out that every different race on the planet has a place, okay, and has a purpose, that is a combined and unified purpose. If you guys don't figure it out, you're going to create a problem where you're not going to have a few. Well, you'll have a future, but what you'll end up with is the last hundred years worth of research will go out the window. Okay, and that does mean all of your mineral processing, all of the technological advances will go out the window because you won't have the mineral processing. So, yeah. People have to evolve past this. It's all mine and you're all evil because you don't see things exactly like I do, which is is consciousness evolution. You got to remember the human race is an extremely young, very aggressive race. Very aggressive species, actually, is what it really boils down to. And they really have to grow up. But there's no rush for it as long as you quit shooting each other and trying to blow up the planet you're living on. True. Very, very true. All right, let us go to another question here. And let's take a peek here. Loco Boy, when they're going when are they going to let themselves be known to all of us? Politely put, when mankind when mankind's consciousness evolves to the point that they won't tear themselves apart when their societal outlook is completely butchered. You see, you gotta remember, the majority of spiritual teachings on this planet say we are on our own. You know, we are we are alone and everything we don't understand is going to try and kill us. Well, if all of a sudden the off-worlders go, hey guys, we're here. If they all of a sudden show up and just tell everybody around the world, we're here. 
your entire spiritual belief structure gets thrown into disarray. Okay, and that will cause not only chaos, it'll call abs- cause absolute panic. I mean, you think about it. We have humans, you look at a human walking downtown, take a Caucasian, put him in the middle of, of, the, of the darker side of Harlem, or put him in the middle of, of, of the Middle East. Now, they already get edgy. Put, put a whole pile of normal-sized humans in a room. Now bring in a straight Caucasian eight-footer. You know, seven-and-a-half, eight-footer. Everybody gets edgy. What do you think is going to happen if an eight, a seven-and-a-half, eight-and-a-half-foot reptilian shows up complete with wings and weaponry that it just knock your socks off? All of a sudden shows up at the Walmart and goes, we're here. Now, aside from the number of people that from a distance are going to go, man, Hollywood's shooting some really great stuff lately. You know, most people that are right there are going to panic. This is why they don't come right out and say, hey, we're here. Makes sense. Let's go to Eric. What races are the most similar to the human mindset? Um, I'd be inclined to say the Wara. Either that or the Tormenon. Automation is powering what's possible for businesses of every size in every industry. Unlock your potential at Automate, the largest showcase of robotics and automation in North America, May 22nd through the 25th in Detroit, Michigan. With over 600 exhibitors, 200 speakers, and more than 25,000 registrants, there's no better way to power your business. Register for free at AutomateShow.com. That's AutomateShow.com. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And what I mean by that is the water will kill whatever they desire to. And the Tormenon will kill whatever they have to to get what they want. Humans are a barbaric race in the politest way of putting it. Now, if you look at the Mobians, who are actually human descendants, okay, the Mobians actually originated on Earth. Okay, they were here 50,000 years ago. And they, at the same time we were. The difference is they left before everything fell apart and colonized Mobius. Which, in answer to the question nobody's asked just yet this time, Mobius is in exactly the same orbit as Earth, but on the other side of the sun. So it's running at a at a 180 degree and will never be seen from Earth itself. There you go. There you go. Let's move on here. Let's go to Raz. The innate com- communication is dormant language between all species. 
Um, the innate debatable point, but the the one that I was that I've learned how to communicate with is something that I refer to as pangalactic, meaning it's a it's a trade language amongst multiple species. There isn't one language because you got to remember some of the la- of the of the species cannot speak vocally. You know, they just don't have the capacity. You know, some will speak vocally, some will speak telepathically, some auditory will speak via visual cues or pheromonic interaction. You know, so there's a lot of different a lot of different linguistics that have to be have to be copied, but you know, have to be compensated for. But it's not technically a dormant. All right, let's continue on. Let's go to Mark. What can you tell us about angelic beings and their role? Well, number one, they are actually messengers from the the angelic beings, the angelus, are a race unto themselves. They are not exactly, they are not what we call evolved humans. They are their own race, and their purpose was to help to help govern humans, uh, you know, help govern govern the corporeals on Earth until the corporeals could get their feet on the ground. But there came a point where humans became so aggressive towards them that they finally said, scrap it, we're not letting anybody else kill us individually. We'll just sit back and pick up the pieces afterwards. But the the Angelus are extremely passionate in, you know, in love, in in the creative arts, and in war. You know, so, I mean, when you look at them, they they are teachers. And this is where you get people, and this is where you get, um, in the ancient myths, you get people that are referred to as, as, um, uh, what was the term I was, I was going to, oh, I believe they call them Mosaic angels. In other words, messengers. That the that the that the actual what you would consider a god, if you will, okay, which boils down to non-corporeal or non-visible on Earth, send them down to try and help guide people. It's just humans have lost their way. Oh, have lost a lot of their way right now. But they are the thing they are not is they are not here to fix the problem on Earth so much as to help people get get used to the idea you have the ability to fix it yourself, okay? But you also have free will, so it's up to you whether or not you're going to actually take the guidance. You know, if that makes any sense. Sure does. Sure does. All right, let's get to another question here. As we've got about six minutes to go before we got to go to break at the top of the hour. Our Keith Andrews and the ET Connection happening right now on Spaced Out Radio. Nancy would like to know, Keith, what is your opinion about missing time and abduction? Well, let's see. Abduction is a joyride, and missing time is just plain normal for me. Um, you know, no, the thing is, when you get put, it's it's very much like when you go in for an operation. You know, a Terran operation. You get knocked out to a point you don't track time. 
Okay, so the missing time will automatically happen. As far as abduction goes, well, not many humans are going to actually get onto a starship and go, gee, let's take a look around. Okay, I'm just one of these weird people that would. But, so therefore abduction, but you got to remember with the abduction, they're picking them up and they do have the good ones have a mandate that says, put them back as best you can with as little disruption to their life as possible. Hence, we have the memory overlays. So the people can at least try and live a normal life. Good luck with that, by the way. Because even though they've got a well-designed overlay method, it doesn't work as well with the human's ability to, to regenerate over top of it. Hence where we get the questions as to what happened all this time in the first place. That's right. Okay, let's go to our next question here. Robert wants to know, what kind of beings are the ones that flying in Norway since the 1980s place starts with Hess? Well, politely put, I haven't got a clue because I haven't been watching the news regarding that. If you got anything else that we can go on, I might be able to piece it together. But I don't know of a race offhand with the with the start of the race being Hess. Right. I think that's the town. Ah, okay. Well, that would explain. Yeah. We'll, might give you an idea how little We'll look into that, Keith. We'll look into that one for you. Let's go to Car- okay. Carlito. Hey, Keith. What's your thoughts about aliens making creatures and maybe some cryptids? Is it just a hobby? Cryptids aren't, no. Um, most of the cryptids are, most of them are accidental releases, if you will. But the aliens aren't technically making them. Okay. Like you take the Chupacabra, for instance. Wasn't made, was accidentally released. The octopus, same problem. Okay. They weren't technically made, they were simply brought here. Much like you would take on a holiday, you would take a dog or a cat with you if you're that way inclined. Well, the chupacabra is essentially a dog. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not a dog from around here. But most of the cryptids are simply unidentified unidentified entities on this planet. Some of them are terrestrial entities. Okay, that just haven't been identified. Or have been thought to be extinct for thousands of years. But the aliens don't actually go about making making much. Now there is one ancient race that is known to combine to combine creatures, but they're not an, they're not an off-worlder, and you really don't want to tangle with them. Makes that would sense. be the ancient alpha and the the dark side of the ancient elfid race. Makes very much sense. Okay, Keith, we got two minutes to go. We're going to keep going here with some audience questions here. Let's uh, get to another one. Local boy wants to know, was They Live and V television shows warnings for us? Not in the slightest. They were a Hollywood mock-up that was absolutely phenomenal. Okay, the impact, the cultural impact of V was absolutely mind-boggling. 
but it was based on absolutely nothing except fear and a great Hollywood storyline. As far as they live, that was based on, quite frankly, it was based on reality, but not on a major, not on a major pandemic that caused it. Okay. But there are races that can animate the dead, you know, one at a time, if you will. There's even a, under the, under the religion Vodon, there is a ritual they can pull off where you do end up with a zombie-like approach. So, the, you know, they, they Live was essentially an extra elaboration from a, from a reality aspect that Hollywood picked up on. V was just priceless where it came to a cult classic. Unfortunately, it's been the root of a lot of the reptilian belief structure that reptilians have infiltrated the upper echelons of government. Makes a lot of sense, Keith. A lot of sense. All right. uh, We're going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the top of the hour here. I want to remind our audience listeners, if you're in one of our chat rooms or on Twitter, you want to ask Keith a question, please put your question in capital letters. It is easier for me to read and find. Our Keith Andrews of the ET Connection happens near the beginning of each month here on Spaced Out Radio, where we talk all things extraterrestrial with our resident conductor of the Woo Train, the man with the best pork chop sideburns that you will see in North America, our Keith Andrews and the ET Connection. Continue with hour number two on Spaced Out Radio right after this. Stay tuned. Hi, the Michael Leger. How's it going? And UFO Not, welcome back. And um, let's see who else is joining us here. Keith, I'm going to step away. Uh, Just so everybody does know, and thank you, Carlito, for reminding me, our guest from Monday night, Brian Bowden, uh, who was filling in for Lon Strickler, had a massive heart attack last night. He is alive. He had a couple of stints putting in or being put in uh, last night. Uh, his wife found him. She got home from the gym and found him sweating profusely and really struggling to breathe. She got him to the hospital, and she was. Uh, the doctor basically said that if she was 10 minutes later, uh, Brian would have passed away. We would have lost him. But we he is in a hospital. Uh, I believe tonight, and they're hoping to. Uh, God, they move quick in Florida. They're looking to release him uh, either later tonight or tomorrow, but he is expected to make a full recovery. And uh, thank God. And uh, yeah. So if we can all send uh, Brian some love, some prayers, and some healing prayers, I know he would really, really appreciate the love back from the SOR crowd. Hey, Travis, how you doing, man? Good to see you. And, uh, yeah, there was something else in in Brian's heart that the doctors had never seen before. One of his arteries had started creating new arteries after the heart attack. They said it's a very rare experience when, the, when they see that. And, that. and Brian said to the doctor, that's because my heart is alien. 
True story. Not even making that up. So Brian is keeping his humor. Keith, I know you're watching the chat room. I'm going to take a quick break here. I'll be right back. back all 
Larky Derry, how you doing? Big thank you tonight to our super chatters, Simon Times 3, Louie Carlito, uh, Big J, Larry, Pam S, Pam H, Michael, Maggie, and Atlantis. Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So here we go, everyone. About five seconds. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Macrosian. Macrosian is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with hour number two of the ET Connection. Our good friend R. Keith Andrews is back to answer all the questions you have regarding extraterrestrials and potential contact with aliens. Yes, it is one of our most popular shows during the week. Keith, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Hi, Andy. We, we it's got, amazing how fast this this chat room moves. I'm, I just do not fathom how you track it. Oh, it's a pleasure to do it, my friend. It's a pleasure to do it. All right, let's get right to it, Keith, because we got like almost 30 questions from our audience for you. Start off with Sparkles on Facebook. Is there any alien race that live in peace, not like humans living on planet Earth? Absolutely. There's a number of them. But the, the most prominent would be the Mobians. They have no pee, no war, no famine. They've got no jealousy. They simply are a unified race. And when we talk about globally unified, I mean, they don't even, they know what war is. But they don't even look to it. Really? Well, you got to remember, the Mobians have the capacity to physically manifest on the spot. You know, physically manifest whatever they desire. All right. Well, let's continue on here. Let's go to Terry. Keith, are there any evil angels? Absolutely. Every ray, every species has its evil people. Okay, and just like with humans that are that are evil, some of them are more volatile or more dangerous because they push the limits than other ones are. Sometimes you'll just get an evil angel that kicks a stuffing out of a younger one just because it's possible. 
And then you, you got the ones of a city just because it's possible. I mean, humans are not the only race that is volatile towards each other. It's just they're more prevalent at it. That's why it's just a, a more more common problem than other races. All right. Let's go to data. Art Keith, have you heard of the Emerther? Leftovers? Or the DMV? Number 97. Or house cleaning? Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And if you have, what can you tell us about them? I've never heard the term before. Therefore, probably not a lot until I got something a little more to go with, because I may know them by a different name. Right. Okay, let's continue on. American says, what alien species or race will most humans all come in contact with first? Where will it be in public? I have no way of telling you that, because you're still looking for that to occur. You're still likely looking another 50 100 down the road. Okay. Most likely, I suspect, would probably be the graves, or the ones that most people don't actually outright fear or see as gods. But you got to remember, they are scientists. And for the most part, that's all they are. Very true. So there is no way I can, you know, there's no way to say, oh, this is the most likely one that everybody will run into. Into. All right, let's continue on here. Let's go to Jules. Someone I know well said they were visited by beings saying that they were Acadians. Ever heard of them? The only Acadians I've ever heard of is the maritime people of early Canada. Um, they, they may be referring to a city on their own planet or a city or a, or a community on their own planet. Okay. Kind of like saying, I'm Canadian. You know, Dave and I are Canadian. At least I think Dave is. But, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm Anunnaki Canadian. Yeah, you're not tall enough. It's the Canadian part. Oh, okay. Well, we can work with that. Let's go back to American. What species or race will humans... Oh, that's the same question, just it was shortened. Let's go to Pam. And Pam says, what do aliens do for entertainment? Are we it? Oh, Lord, no. We are, We are for most of them, an exercise in study. But I do know when I was, when I was about three years old, three, four years old, um, 
three, four, eight. No, I'd have been just over five. They play what amounts to zero G wall ball. Depending on the race, that's the most interactive that anybody can play. Okay. But if you take a look at the at the Teklek or the Sazazian, uh the Sazazian, which are your seven and a half, eight and a half foot reptilians, okay, they play a form of football where they carry their weapons with them. You know, you take a look at the Teklek, you don't want to play rugby with them because they will eat the the opposing team. And I don't mean they'll beat them, I mean they'll eat them. So it depends on who you're on who you're talking to. Now Yumions, on the other hand, they play they play a light version of wall ball or of, of volleyball. Light as in they use photonic photonic um photonic volleyballs. All right, let's continue on here, Keith. And let's get to who do we got here? Grandmaster. What's the alien secrets? That they're not much different than you guys. Aside from they got far better toys. You know, some of them do look at, at humans and go, are you ever actually going to grow up and, and stop what you're doing right now? Because you can make some, you know, some of them look, look at humans going, you're doing things backwards, but we're not allowed to tell you how to do them forwards. You know, so I mean, you're you're talking about a very a a real varied outlook on people. Although on the whole, they do actually fear humans. Humans fear aliens because they don't know them. Aliens fear humans because they do. See, humans innately have the capacity to manipulate zero-point energy, thereby modifying reality. And with humans' tendency right now to shoot first and ask if you're friendly second, um, it's not really a healthy thing. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, let's go to Grandmaster. What is the psychology and personal life of an alien? Uh, well, there's a long, uh, long drawn out question. I know of at least a hundred different aliens I've documented, and each one has a different psychology. But as a people, as in you take the entire nine yards of all species, and you're all pretty similar. Okay, humans just have a very, ex- a very extensive curiosity streak. Okay. The sea elephant tend to be a little bit more, oops, we shouldn't have done that type type exploration. Like the mess they made when they first started abducting people to get to know humans. Um, well, it was funny in one sense, but really bad for the humans they tried taking down. Because they'd abduct them. And of course, you got to understand, the sea elephant, I can tell you they live at the bottom of the Mariana's Trench. But... The bottom isn't as shallow as what mankind thinks it is. You know, but when they started taking humans down, they couldn't figure out why when they got the humans down to their world, they were dead. Of course, they couldn't piece together that humans couldn't breathe underwater. Not for the longest time. 
And you can see where that was going to be a problem. Yeah, breathing is one of those good things. Well, it's kind of necessary. But that, you know, that blue gel that um, that was shown on the abyss? Yes. That exists, but it was actually developed by the, by the sea elephant as a way of getting humans down where they can actually talk to them. All right. Bigfoot Rob wants to know, have we studied meteorites for any alien fossils that you know of? That I know I know they have. Can I give you any quantifiable data? No. All right. Let's move on. Marty would like to know, can the James Webb Space Telescope see Mobius? That depends on where it's sitting. It would have to be, you see, the best I can tell you is it's got to be located in a position where it sees the other side of the sun. And I don't know where the James Webb, um, where the telescope is. But if it is out that far, the answer is yes. But that's a matter of geometry. Sounds good. Let's continue on. Terry would like to know, Keith, why don't ghosts manifest themselves on a mass scale for long enough so humans know they exist? Are they not allowed to? Oh, no. Ghosts aren't co- are not governed by the same thing that the off-worlders are. But it's the amount of energy they have to utilize in order to come across. And the problem isn't that they don't show themselves. The problem is humans refuse to see them. But ghosts are, it's kind of like, basically a ghost is a pedestrian. You've lost your physical body. Whether it was an animal, a plant, a person, doesn't matter. A ghost simply lost their physical body. But it takes a lot to get the attention, to get humans' attention. And most humans are afraid of ghosts. Primarily because they don't understand them. Let's continue on here. D. Cohen wants to know, so why you are saying is in order for the ETs to show themselves is for the humans to be more kind and open their minds. Well, I guess we will never know about them with this generation. In all fairness, it's unlikely. However, we do have the ability to make that start happening, but it's going to require the effort of a lot of people. You know, one thing I keep telling people when, I, when I'm on my, on my station is, look, for every time you put out a, a video that shows crime or shows some sort of derogatory or, you know, or hurtful video, put out one that shows, uh, put out two that show something positive going on. You'll find that impact will have a great, uh, a much higher impact on a positive level towards visibility. You know, that makes any sense. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It totally does. Let's continue on. Local boy wants to know, do you think they, the aliens, would intervene if we had a nuclear war? If you had a global one, absolutely. If somebody fired off a single nuclear warhead, highly improbable. Okay, where where they draw the line is are you gearing is the world gearing up for a nuclear war 
that will affect the entire planet at the same time? If the answer to that is yes, they'll come in, shut down the nuclear the nuclear reactions, and let you guys shoot each other. They won't stop the war. They will simply stop the nuclear explosions. But that is only leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If it goes to full scale. Not if it goes to a couple of nukes being exchanged. All right. Let's get to Alien Protocols. What do you love the most about this? I like that question, by the way. I like the question. I'm just not sure. Um, I'm honestly not sure which, like, about this, which, about the... About you, Keith. It's a personal question. What do you love? What do you love about this the most? Honestly, the only thing I can honestly say that I love is my other half. But as far as, as far as, um this whole this whole topic goes it's been the revelation that i came to understand that the off-worlders and humans are virtually identical except for your toys now and it is it is enjoyable watching mankind run around in circles trying to you know trying to sort out how to actually communicate in an honest fashion to me it seems cut and dried but People seem to struggle with it a lot. That they do. Let's continue. So we got about six and a half minutes for our next break. Jenny wants to know, R. Keith, what is your opinion on the idea that a large group from our world will transcend from the third world to a 4D world or a 3D world to a 4D world and star seeds have come here to move us in that direction? Well, we'll start with the idea that nobody's going to a 4D world and exists and surviving. We'll start there. Now, as far as the star and the star seeds coming to help move people in the in a direction towards global unity, that one I would buy wholeheartedly, and that will modify the way the world looks at itself. But nobody is being collected up and taken to a fourth dimension, fifth dimension, or any other than third dimensional world. If, if physically it would kill them, anybody that gets taken there, it's a death sentence. Because your genetic superstructure will not survive the transition. And by the way, it's a really brutal way to tear somebody apart. Let's go here to another one. 
I am Pam. No, I am Pam. Which alien race that is colonized on the backside of the moon and are sent to Earth to study human behavior as part of their education? I am Pam. Would um, like to know. You know what? Number one, the backside of the moon isn't technically colonized. It's got a way station on it. And virtually every race that is coming to the area checks in there before coming down to Earth to, and before starting to study. You know, so it's not just one race. You know, if you take a look, the best way I can liken it is if you take a look at the um, at the Star Wars, you know, the Star Wars bar scene on Tatooine where you've got all these different people. That's kind of like what you're looking like, looking at. Okay, without all the drama and the shooting. Okay, let's continue on. Matt Geek wants to know, Keith, do you have do ETs have pets like we have cats and dogs? Yes. Not necessarily cats and dogs, but the answer is yeah, they do. You know. And it, it really depends on which race as to what they may have. I mean, I get a kick out of it because the Earth Elementals, I'm uh well um Corridan. Okay, the Corridan have literally pet rocks. But you gotta understand that their pets are rocks. But yeah, I mean you're looking at like I said, the other races all are very similar in a lot of ways to humans, with a couple of major discrepancies. One, they've got where they've got a world, every one of the member races has a one world government, which does not mean a dictatorship, which is where humans keep getting hung up. Okay. It means they are all working towards the same goal, which is not destroying their planet. This doesn't mean they're all totally at peace with each other. You've still got arguments going on. But they all have they have pets. They all have they have their own version of plant life. You know, it's it's very much a similar thing. It just depends on which planet we're referring to. I can tell you on, that the Zeta reticulans have an interesting problem with their pets. Half their pets are plants, and half their half their pamphlets will try and eat them. It's a wonderful a wonderful forest to walk out in. all right let's go to another question here our keith let's go to cindy are the aldebarans nice the one i saw seemed very loving the aldebarans on the whole are a very humanitarian community so yeah from your standpoint they are usually very nice very loving very open but they're still not going to give their technology away because they're not allowed to. That's absolutely just flat out forbidden. But they are a genuinely nice group. Okay, let's continue. We've got about 90 seconds, Keith. From the UK, Andrew, 
Who is flying the Tic Tacs? You know, I know I've got it written down somewhere, and I'm still trying to remember who the heck it was. That's one of the reasons I've been going through back through my, my notes. I've got a stack of notes that's probably, you know, six inches deep of different bits and pieces of different races that I'm pulling together. But the Tic Tacs are, you know, I keep looking at it going, I know I've seen it and I had it just, well, I had it about a month and a half ago. And now I'm trying to find it again. But I will tell you this, as soon as I track it down, you know, simply put, Dave will be one of the first people that I give it, that I drop a line to. That's awesome. That is awesome. I want to be there. Can we sneak one more in? Let's try. Let's go to Vaughn. Keith, do you believe we went to the moon and have been told not to return? Well, that's a yes and no. Yes, mankind has gone to the moon. And yes, mankind told itself not to return and then totally ignored it. Okay, but the off-worlders didn't say don't come. The off-worlders just simply said, don't shoot anybody up here and ask us and ask us if we're friendly. Mankind was not forbidden to go to the moon. Mankind scared itself when they realized the moon was occupied. I'm just waiting until I just am waiting for them to figure out that the moon actually has a budding atmosphere on it already. That's right. Keith, we're going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Our Keith Andrews and the ET Connection continue on Spaced Out Radio right after this. Stay tuned. More Alien Talk right after the break. There we go. We are clear. And I'm going to take a moment and run off to the washroom here. You go, girl. You go. Guys having fun yet? Big R. Keith, he's on a roll tonight. I sold this one. I love you, love v love. I love you. Boss Monster, why can't you fly into Vegas? You fly all over the place. Um, haven't got snow in a couple days. And next week, it's supposed to be above zero temperatures here. So I think we've made it through the cold. And uh, we're going to start our meltdown here for the spring pretty quick. Henry the Green Engine, welcome to SOR Chat. (coughs) (coughs) 
Wow. Look at Maggie. L. Avni wears granny panties to play bingo. My goodness. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's an I am Pam type comment right there. Hi, Pay Parker. How are you? Yeah, Dave is Pazam. Pazam. Keith, how about a close-up of them sideburns? Okay. Look at them. Look at that, them. That'd be your issue. I have no idea how you'd pull that off, but that's okay. Tech is your baby, not mine. I've already zoomed in on you. I just need you to turn side to side. Oh, look at those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. There you go. For all the ladies and gentlemen out there who wanted to see Keith's pork chops, I know Nicole Sackage was hot to trot on him. Yeah, see, here's Nicole. Magnificent. She loves your pork chops. Matt Geek was uh, in love with them. Grandmaster, oh, yeah. Simon says Keith's a beautiful man. Joey Zed, those are some sweet chops. Grandmaster, mmm. Pay Parker, Elvis like pork chops. If only I had a voice. Uh, Super Duke says, Keith has the best mutton chops on this side of Elvis. Thurston, our Keith chops, yes. Well, I suspect people will be happy to know I'm not planning on cutting them, period. I told my other half. The beard will, will stay gone. I just don't bother since she's not here yet. Mm-hmm. But the chop she's going to have to settle for. All right. Because they're just not leaving. Oh, Thin Lizzy loves the woo chops. <laughs> Raw Umber, welcome to the chat room, says, I'm jealous. 
All right. Thank you to our super chatters tonight. Simon times four. Louie, Carlito, uh, Big J, Larry, Pam S times two, Pam H, Michael, Maggie, Atlantis, Derek. Thank you so much for the love and support of Spaced Out Radio. Here we go, everyone, in three seconds. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we say hello to our Keith Andrews and the ET Connection. And this is, uh, we got until the top of the hour. We got a bunch of audience questions coming for you, Keith. You ready? You pumped up? Let's do this. Yeah, well, I know about the pumped up, but fire away. All right, let's go to Travis. Keith, what are you going to do when the mothership shows up? Get on and ask him not to bring me back. Awesome. Let's go to Raz. Is love at first sight with an ET helpful to the cause of integration? Um, no more than it is to the cause of world peace. Nothing wrong with it by any functional stretch, but it really doesn't have a global impact. Okay, good enough. Let's go to Pam. Keith, what do aliens do? Uh, We asked that question already. Uh, Let's go to Super Duke. How many miniatures do you own? In excess of 500. Explain what miniatures are for people who... Maybe wondering. Do it the easy way. Oh, I moved them. Uh, just remember, we got a radio audience, Keith. Oh, they good can't, point. They can't see that. Then going to get them won't help. Um, anyway, a miniature is just a small, usually plastic form, sometimes metal formed, figure of either a person or a creature. You know, a person, creature, or plant. Most commonly used in either war games or Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games. And for location when you're laying out a, a interaction on the table. Excellent. Okay. Continuing on here with, uh, let's go to Travis. Greetings, Keith. Have you seen any UFOs of late? Only yesterday. Didn't see any today, but then I didn't leave the house tonight. Basically, they it's, it's sometimes the easiest way to look for them is to look, is to not look for them. And what I mean by that is watch the star field or the clouds, for that matter. And if you're seeing something fade out and then fade back in, like for instance, you've got a whole pile of stars, 
and they start blinking out in, in sequence and then showing up a moment later. You've got something passing in front of them. You now have the UFO in your eyes, in your sight. Let's continue. Go to Rafin. If one has etheric wings, does it mean one may have been from the angelic world? Um, no. Some humans, quite frankly, have etheric wings because they are still connected to their own past or their own core. But the etheric wing side of it is not in and of itself of the angelic world, primarily because the angelic world isn't etheric. Okay, you may, I mean, if you want to look at genetics or past lives, you may well be well connected to the to the uh, fairy realm. You know, that would be the easiest part. By the way, if you do have etheric wings, I don't recommend you try flying. The odds are they won't hold your physical body. All right, let's continue on. Let's go to... Raz, would you say Earth's health is more important to the non-humans than people's survival? Without a shadow of a doubt, yes. Mankind is not the first race that had dominant control as caretakers of of Esau. You know her as Earth or as Gaia. I know her as Esau. Okay, and her health is far more important than the human. Okay. I know, that's pretty cold, but... Let's go to Americans. Uh, actually, we've asked that question already. Let's go to Horsey. Has Hollywood been involved in doing their part of sorts of a slow drip disclosure? Um, whether or not I want to call it a slow drip disclosure, there are some of Hollywood's directors that clearly know what's going on. Whether the government has anything to do with it or not, I cannot speak for certain. I do know that there are a number of, of Hollywood of Hollywood directors and at least one European director that are definitively in the know of the off-worlders' presence on Earth. Okay. All right. Let's go to... Uh, who do we got here? Let's go to the Michael Leger. Keith, are there alien species that have manta ray type wings? Yeah, well, only technically. They're not alien. They're an ancient race. They actually live they actually live in our own oceans. And rest assured, they are pretty volatile if you actually kick them off. Um, they have been shown in some movies, and they one of the one of the movies I remember seeing them in, if I remember correctly, was this one. But in the abyss, they showed one there. Mm. What did they? Sh- what did they show again? I'm trying to figure out that part in the movie, The Abyss. Way down, remember when, uh, and don't ask me what the actor's name was, but remember the star got taken down under underwater? When they were just approaching the city, there was that one, and they had the one manta ray. Basically, it was translucent. 
Right. Right. Okay. I, I know I know the part you're talking about now. Okay, let's continue on, Keith. Let's go to Lightwalkers. How do they pick and choose people? Is it bloodline? That depends entirely on the race and the research project. Could be bloodline, could be hair color, could be just you have to be in the right place at the right time. More often than not, depending, depending on who, but if you look at the primary people involved, you're looking at generational. So, yeah, they're looking at bloodline because they're watching nomadic tendencies. Right. All right, let's continue on here. And let's go to Terry. Keith, do demons really hate humans? No, they love them. They taste great. They actually they actually don't have a hatred of humans by any functional stretch. But now, of course, we have to look at the reality. Demons, spelled D-E-M-O-N-S, are a construct of many of the religious crowd, the religious peoples on this planet. The daemon, who is what you're probably referring to, are the actual race. And they themselves do not hate humans, but they do have a might is right mentality. Which means they do see humans on the whole as being a rather weaker and therefore, shall we say, less respected race. Much like humans will walk over a dandelion and think nothing of it. Gotcha. Okay, let's go to Tim. How do you recommend we initiate a positive ET close encounter? I wish I could give you a definitive answer on that. I will tell you, the less, the, the one thing I have noticed is if in your day-to-day life you treat all people that you do run into as equals, you respect their viewpoint and what have you, you're far more likely to get the attention of an actual contact as compared to an abduction. That's the best and best way I can put it. Okay, let's go to Simon in Australia. Keith, what can we start doing today to improve our lives? I love that question. I really do. Take a look at what you're happy with and what you're not content with in your life. Doesn't matter what it is. Okay, and start correcting that. That may be just something as simple as, I'm not happy with the fact my dishes aren't done. Get up and take care of them. If you're not happy with your education, start looking into a, quite literally, a self-directed education. In other words, start improving, start removing the barriers around you that are brought about by things you're not content with. On the plus side, this is the same routine, the same message that I end up giving to countless other races. Okay, this is why I've spent my life actually telling people, is look, you're not happy with your life. It's time for you. Seek the guidance you need in order to change things. Okay, wherever you're getting the support from, just remember, if it's making you unhappy, it's not leading to a better life.
All right, let's go to the next one. Derek wants to know, Keith, we've been told that the U.S. government doesn't have alien species recovered from crashed craft. Do you believe this is true? Well, I believe that trusting that kind of a comment, if they had it, do you really think it would be wise for them to come out after this long and go, you know, and go, hey, oh, by the way, we've been lying to you. You know, would I personally trust that comment? Not a prayer. Okay. But, you know, it does that mean they absolutely do? I cannot, as the saying goes, I can neither confirm nor deny that. But do I believe that they have have off-worlders? Absolutely I do. Okay, let's go on here. Hadley wants to know, Keith, what about receiving your thoughts, taking on the light and making good shape and form? Oh, um, I'm not entirely certain of the refer- reference to taking on the light, but thoughts absolutely can be utilized to create physical form. The Mobians are living proof. They do it all the time. Okay, they do it a lot faster, but the artists on this world that take the time to write, to draw, to sing, whatever. They're taking their thoughts and through effort, bringing them into a physical form that other people can share in. This is what creativity is all about. All right, let's continue on here. Laura wants to know, Keith, what race is very tall with facial features like a gray but beautiful and blue, and what can you tell us about them? Um, sheep. I was just looking at that. Number one. Yeah, they're definitively not gray. Um, that's not the particular shooting. I just looked that up. Hopefully, I'm right handy, but. That's not the Aldebarons. I can tell you it started starts with an R, I think, Rajoran. Okay, and that's Rajoran, not Bejoran. Okay, let's continue on. We got We got seventeen questions for nine and a half minutes. Life one oh one ought to be fun. Wants to know do you think aliens are fallen angels? No. The Angelus are a different race altogether. But no. Aliens are not fallen angels by any fudge. Two quick questions from Pam. Any chance of... Okay, I don't really understand what UTR, being truthful that aliens helped Americans during World War II and Vietnam? Well, the answer is, were they in contact? Yes. Did they offer any sort of communication, tactical, or weapon supply? No. Now, what you got to realize is that other races were involved with the other major, major, um, major civilizations on Earth. Every so-called first world country has had ongoing contact in various forms, but none of them have been exchanging weapons. 
From Pam again, is it true the aliens on the dark side of the moon told us not to come back? No. It's just mankind got scared and decided that was a bad idea and still kept going back anyway. This whole issue of they haven't been there in 25 years is, shall we say, missed. All right, let's continue. Let's go to Lily Pond. Is the 20 and back secret space program real? Not knowing what the 20 and back is, I don't know. The secret space program is real. And quite frankly, not all that secret. Today they're in the middle of striving to bring an asteroid in a geosynchronous orbit around the, around the moon in order to build interstellar stars, in, interstellar ships off-world. Which realistically, when you look at the, at the rationality, behind it, rationality behind it, makes sense. 20 and back is allegedly people being taken and then taken up to Mars for 20 years or somewhere like that, and then uh, come back and they are age regressed to the age they were at. Yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Yeah, me either. Okay, let's continue on. Grandmaster wants to know which aliens do, do which propulsion on which world on what days. And if that's too confusing, we can move on. Well, the the best propulsion system available was developed by the Atlanteans and used by most of the Galactic Consortium, and that's the OTE drive, the oscillant densification of the tritranspatial equilarity. But you got to also remember that if you don't if you don't flip the the fractal inversion into into consideration, you can't slow the ship down, and that probably didn't help a lot. Works for me. Second question from Grandmaster. How do the Tic Tacs fly? What kind of propulsion mechanics do you think? Subquantum magnetics. Okay. Sandra. Again, we're talking about technology. Try that again. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, we are talking about technology that far surpasses humans. Sandra would like to know, what alien race would have banners on orbs to be transcribed? It was a dream I had. That would be called. Um, honestly, humans. Not so much, and not so much um, aliens by any functional stretch. Most of the orbs you see would not appreciate being branded. All right, let's continue on. Human Carl would like to know, follow-up, can humans reincarnate into an alien race if they chose? Absolutely. Anything you desire to reincarnate into, you can. Animal, vegetable, alien, mineral, elemental, doesn't matter. You get to pick. Okay, let's go to Thomas. What can you tell us about the motherships? Well, that's about as, as ambiguous a question or grand scale a question as we get. Depends on what the ship is. Okay, if you look at the Moldakian motherships, they're generation ships. Okay, and they are literally 
on, they are literally, they never see their home world. Or many of the people that finally get back there never saw it to start with. You take a look at the consortium's um, mothership. Well, their flagship has a main gun that if you were to take the the uh, the USS Titanic, or no, the HMS Titanic, turn it broadside and shove it down the barrel, they'd still have room to maneuver. Let's continue. You got to remember. Go ahead. Oh, finish up. You got to remember, motherships contain the largest of the ships that you see. You don't see a mothership coming into the area very often. All right, let's go to Maggie. Is there a connection to UFOs and thunderstorms? Um, only in as much as quite often. UFOs will use a, use a thunderstorm as a way of concealing their arrival, i.e. they'll hide inside thunderheads to get a little closer look at mankind. Quite often that's done on a sightseeing run. Martokians are almost famous for it. And if you take a look at the, if you look at the number of sightings of UFOs, whenever Whenever Mars is at its, at its closest point to Earth, the the UFO sightings seem to triple, roughly. But that's because the Martokians come here for, for field trips. Fun times. Fun times. Okay, let's continue on. we got about two and a half minutes here. We're not going to get through them all, but we'll try. Raw Umber wants to know, do snow days affect alien visitations? I would be inclined to say no since they keep picking up Eskimos. Joseph wants to know, does Earth have a soul and or spirit? Yes. She and Earth herself, I know her as Esau. Okay, she is a Kaboran. Now, all planets are not Kaboran, but she is. Perfect. Terry wants to know, Keith... How does a human go about making friends with a werewolf? Do not wear do not wear a steak sauce. Um, you know, quite honestly, you just got to remember werewolves are temperamental and much more animalistic than what you're shown. They do not blend well with people. Perfect. Let's go to Mark. Keith, can you explain what kind of the force fields are around some of these craft? Yeah. What they do is a hyperdensification of the of the subquantum magnetic fields coupled with a photonic overlay. Not entirely certain that's going to help, but ultimately that's what they're doing. All right. Final question. We've got about a minute. D. Cohen wants to know, how can I become a UFO hunter in the most civilian restricted district in the U.S., D.C.? From my standpoint, I'd suggest carefully. My suggestion, you join Arrow. That's what you do. You join Arrow. <laughs> Keith, let's uh, get your YouTube channel out there if you don't mind. Not in the slightest. Uh, I'm hoping I've got it right. R. Keith Andrews. You know, I mean, that's quite literally the easiest way to find me. YouTube.com forward slash R. Keith Andrews. I should know I helped him set it up. You know, Keith, it is always a pleasure to have you here on Spaced Out Radio. 
conductor of the Woo train, turning it right up. And uh, you hit a 10 out of 10 tonight, my man. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here, and I love the questions. Yeah, they were insane questions today. Insane. They were. The one thing I will say is if you guys have a question I didn't get to, drop me a line. I'll do what I can to answer. Other than that, I'll be back again in a month. That's right. Our Keith Andrews and the ET Connection. Coming up in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp. Then the UFO report with little Timmy Senor, our resident Timbit. We're going to get into lobbying for UFOs. Is it a good thing or not? Find out right after this. Great job, Keith. As per usual, great job. How good, thank you very much. How, how good did we do in the turnout? Uh, about 240, 245. Nice. Yeah. And we just need everybody to go over to youtube.com forward slash our Keith Andrews. Go hit subscribe and help Keith out. There you go. Thank you, Derek, for that second super chat. Very much appreciate you, my man. All right, Keith, we will let you go. And uh, have a good night, my bun. You're always the best, dude. You too. Uh, we'll talk and soon. Thanks again. We'll talk soon, okay? Absolutely. All right, buddy. Much love to you. You take care. Bye-bye. Our Keith Andrews, everyone. Appreciate that. I will be right back and uh, see you in a few.
Did my chair move? Did my chair move? All right. <coughs> Just a couple of weeks away from UFO Con 2023. And my name is, I am Pam, by the way. Iberada, how you doing? From Singapore. Uh, and uh, if you're going to San Francisco for UFOCon 2023, go to UFOCon2023.com and <clears throat> grab your tickets right there. Going to see some great speakers. Science Bob is going to be there, Sev Talk, Melinda Leslie, and many, many more. So that'll be good. That will be good. I am Pam, by the way. And yeah, otherwise, if you can't see us in San Francisco, join us in Las Vegas for May 19th through 21st. I'll give you a little secret. If you come to our fan party, which is going to be awesome, we're also going to celebrate my 50th birthday there. Five zero, little Timmy Senor is gonna buy me a cupcake with a candle on it, and random guy is gonna run in, blow out the candle, then stuff it in my face. Probably. <clears throat> Here we go with hour three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Macrosian. Macrosian is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as a clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again for us to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. I was hitchhiking on a deserted highway my thumb sticking out, hopefully, as I waited for a passing car to stop and offer me a ride. I'd been standing there for quite some time, easily for a couple of hours, the sun slowly dipping below the horizon and casting long shadows across the pavement. 
Just as I was about to give up hope and start walking, I saw headlights in the distance. I cheered inwardly and stuck out my thumb again, trying to look as friendly and non-threatening as possible. As the car drew closer, I saw that it was an old, beat-up van. The kind of van your parents warned you about when you were a kid. The kind that kidnappers and serial killers drove around in. But I was desperate and didn't want to spend the night in the cold, so I shrugged off my concerns and stepped closer to the side of the road. The van pulled up beside me. The window rolled down. The driver was an old man with a wild beard and a crooked smile. He looked me up and down, and I felt a shiver run down my spine. Where are you headed, boy? He asked me, his voice gravelly and deep. Just down the road a bit, I said, trying to keep my tone casual. The old man nodded and motioned for me to get in the van. I hesitated momentarily, then climbed in, closing the door behind me. I noticed something odd about the truck as we pulled back onto the highway. It was almost silent. For one thing, there was no radio. There was no engine hum, there was nothing. Just stillness. There were no windows either, just metal walls and a single door. I started to feel uneasy, like I had made a terrible mistake. But before I could say anything, the old man grinned at me. You're a lucky one, boy, he said. I don't usually pick up hitchhikers. I tried to smile back, but my heart was pounding. Something was definitely off about this whole situation. Suddenly, the van lurched to a stop. I looked out the windshield and saw another vehicle in front of us. A black SUV with tinted windows. It was blocking our way, and there was no way to get around it. The old man cursed under his breath, then looked at me with a wild look. Stay here, he said. I'll take care of this. With that, he exited the van, slammed the door behind him, and off he went. I was left alone in the silent, windowless van, my heart hammering in my chest. That's when I heard a low, guttural growling, what seemed to be coming from outside the truck. I peered out the windshield, but I couldn't see anything at all. Suddenly, the van started to lurch and shake. Something was pushing it from all sides, trying to tip it over. I clung to the seat, my heart in my throat, and that's when I saw a ghostly black van. Just like the SUV blocking our way a minute ago. But this one was hovering in the air just outside the windowless walls of the old man's van. It was a ghostly van that I had heard about, the one that stalked and chased hitchhikers on deserted highways. And now it was apparently after me and this old man. I screamed and I tried to open the door but it would not budge. The ghostly van was getting closer, its headlights blazing in the darkness. I could hear the screams of its previous victims echoing in my head. Just when I thought it was all over, the old man burst back into nothingness like he was never there at all, and I suddenly found myself outside on the side of the highway in a fetal position. My face was soaked with tears and admittedly I had soiled myself. I honestly have no idea what happened that day, but I am very thankful I survived and have been able to tell the tale. Sometimes I wonder if I had somehow gotten poisoned or whatever, but I never did drugs, I didn't even drink at this time. So, I really have to wonder... Was it a hallucination from being tired, or did I experience something otherworldly? Mm. Our good friend Swamp Dweller giving us a little freaky taste of what he talks about on a nightly basis over at his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. We're proud to have Swamp Dweller kick off the third hour each and every night here 
on Spaced Out Radio. Head over to his YouTube channel if you want to hear thousands of free stories just like that. From the swamp to the stars, it is that time once again. We bring in little Timmy Senor, a resident Timbit, and the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. What's up, my man? It's always good to have you here on Spaced Out Radio, Tim. Busy, busy stuff, as always. It's good to see you. You're wearing my favorite color, bright orange. I enjoy that. I did not know. I did not know that's your favorite color. And I loved that little UFO you've got on there. That's a great shirt. Yeah, it's a UFO and tacos shirt, which can be found on our store at spacedoutradio.com. Fantastic. Yeah. It's what I do, man. You know, I was going to wear my random guy t-shirt, but yeah, it's disappeared. It's so random. That's the way he floats. Everything about that guy is just pure mystery. It's all mystery. It's Mm -hmm. like Doug Henning used to say, it's all an illusion. Smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors, my friend. Smoke and mirrors. It's good to have you here. As it's been another busy week here on Spaced Out Radio with the UFO Report and lots of things going on. But there's one story that you want to get to, and we're going to get into this, a big debate about this tonight and discussion. It's about lobbying in the U.S. Congress and the Senate for UFOs. Now, I don't know how I feel about this. Before the show, I actually called up Nicole Sackich. And I said, Nicole, how do you feel about this? Like, what? What's your what's your thing on this? And she was like, I don't mind it. I think it's good. Gets you the ideas out there. Gets uh, the message out there. But let's get to why we're talking about this. I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, UFOs in Washington, and I think that this is absolutely a topic that needs to be under scrutiny and made sure to be put under the microscope. And so former U.S. Navy pilot Ryan Graves has launched Americans for Aerospace, a new advocacy group that will push Congress and the Biden administration to expand investigations into the unidentified aerial phenomenon and share more of the details with the public. And so now the Pentagon has yet to explain the existence of several UAPs identified by military pilots and Susan McHugh, former chief of staff to Senator Harry Reid, who successfully pushed for Pentagon funding to investigate UAPs, will advise the group, along with former Politico defense editor Brian Bender. And so forming this new group, it looks like there's going to be a new push on the Washington front by this group advocating for awareness in the skies above the United States. And so you and I and the groups that we work around have been discussing this. And this has been a topic that's been fairly heated on the Hill. And so we know that people in these groups, such as Stephen Bassett, have been advocating for quite a long time, um, pushing for this as far back as even in the Hillary Clinton campaign, um, 
strategizing to hope that they could push for UFO disclosure with the uh, election potentially of Hillary Clinton. And then again, Stephen uh, again pushed forward in 2016 um, with the election political initiative, again, where he was informing people in political power of potential dangers of ignoring the UFO topic. Now, I want to kind of highlight some of the issues that I see on this push towards the Hill with this topic. And we have talked about this as distinguishing UAP and UFO. And so historically, Stephen Bassett has pushed for UFO and the truth for that and looking into history and proving to Congress that this is an existing reality. And now we're seeing a new advocacy group coming forward. And I'd like to highlight that it pushes for UAP information to be pushed towards Congress so that they're aware of the things that are flying in our skies that may be perhaps a little more mundane. And so these are two, I would like to say, considerably different pushes for a similar topic. But now lobbying is becoming the thing of the future. We know that we have even big business that hire professional lobbyists to push certain narratives. So I'm just curious, Dave, it seems like a great way to get it forward, but are we in danger of losing UFO to UAP when we push for this advocacy on the Hill? Well, I think it goes back to the definition that many don't agree with me on, that there is a real difference between UAP and UFO. UFO, obviously taken more in an extraterrestrial type term, whereas UAP is, in my opinion, man-made objects that are being seen within American airspace that may not be from the American government or American businesses. That's my opinion. Now, I'm not saying UAP can't include UFOs. Okay, but I think this is where I get a little confused about all of a sudden all of these companies and groups the last couple of years since the Two the Stars Academy coming out and wanting a piece of this UFO pie. I don't think it's wrong Tim, that we have people advocating in Washington, D.C. for government disclosure or confirmation of the UFO subject. Call it UAP subject, whatever you want. Okay, whatever you want. In my opinion, there's a reason for that. I don't think we have defined the reason for that yet. See, originally... Stephen Bassett from the Paradigm Research Group, who has been on this show numerous times, including just a couple weeks ago, you know, he was the only UFO lobbyist for decades, like almost 30 years he's been pushing for this subject, or over 30 years. And finally, you know, he's getting older, he's getting tired, trying to do the job but just couldn't push anymore because at that point, not many were listening. To the Stars comes along. They have a bunch of government pull. And then we see all these other groups hopping on in, whether it's UAPX, whether it's Galileo Project, 
whether it's now Enigma Labs or Ryan Graves' new project. We need these. Yes, we do. I'm not saying that all of them are good for the UFO field, but the more the merrier. But what is their goal? What is their purpose of doing this? What are they lobbying for? Are they lobbying for the, the disclosure of UFOs to all humanity? Or are they lobbying for the business that is going to come out of this, which could lead to government contracts, which could lead to some you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in research and understanding? This is where I'm unsure about this, because the one thing I do know, in my opinion, UAP really pushes a narrative that isn't good for the public of the United States and isn't good for the public of the world. UFOs is still traditional. It is indeed. It is indeed. And I wanted to kind of highlight that by going to Americans for Safe Aerospace and just reading their uh, mission statement which very specifically determines what they're all about. And so it says here, Americans for Safe Aerospace, or ASA, is an issue advocacy organization for aerospace safety and national security with a focus on UAP. ASA supports the pilots and other aerospace professionals who are reporting UAP with credible voices, public education, grassroots activism, and lobbying on Capitol Hill. If UAP are foreign drones, they pose an urgent threat to national security and airspace safety. If there's something else, it must be a scientific priority to find out. And he keeps it pretty simple. But that sounds like a very clear definition of what they're hoping to push with their advocacy. And I find it succinct. Don't you find it quite the same as what the Enigma Labs is doing? Well, Enigma is collecting information and hoping to distribute, right? And they're also hoping to be the one-stop shop for information on. So you can go and look up historical information. You can look up current things in the sky. If you're not sure of what you're seeing, you can go there and kind of match what you're seeing to images that they already have and video captures so you can rule out Starlink and things like that. Whereas I feel like this is a program that is much more defined and taking information, hopefully, with um, witnesses or cases or evidence and showing how there's an urgent threat to the national security and, and the airspace safety. Where's the threat? Seems like... Well, according to, I'm just reading the words here, Um, it's just saying if UAP are foreign drones, they pose an urgent threat to national security and airspace. Okay, let's let's just time that out for a second, because that's on their website, right? Yes. Why even put that on the website when the government, like random guy came on this show, we were talking about the Chinese drones. He came on and says, this is something that has been going on around the world for 50, 60 years. We just had enough. 
because civilians saw it. But we know it's been happening. So I don't understand where Ryan Graves is all of a sudden and his team are throwing that in there. Okay? This is where we get confused as ufologists and people involved in the UFO community. Chinese drones, Russian drones, Iranian drones, North Korean drones, Japanese drones, American drones, German drones are not UFOs. They're man-made. And if they have been happening for years and the government has been tracking them for years with all of their satellite systems that they have, why are we pushing for more data on them? We already know they're a threat because they're spying. Okay, so this is where I don't like where we're trying to bring in, and this is why I say UAP is a narrative. Because UAP, as what says on Ryan's website, are man-made. Just like we told you a couple weeks ago. And I had a whole Dave 101 on it. And this adds strength to what we were saying to our audience. Because our job, Tim, you know, we may discuss and we may debate at times. Okay? But our job here is still to try and educate the public, especially those who are new to the subject and new to listening to this show, that there is a phenomena out there that we are very, very interested in. Now, I've never talked to Ryan Graves. I would like to. I would like to interview him. I I think he's a very smart man. He's very poignant. He's very well-spoken, well-educated. I think he's a smart guy. And he's obviously a very talented business person, never mind a fighter pilot or former fighter pilot who had an experience up close and personal. But he's obviously a very smart man with the business ties that he has created after his military career. Let's give him credit. Okay, I'm not going to crap on him the way we've kind of really dug our heels in with a group like Enigma, who is really seems nefarious in their ways of trying to to take over this UFO subject. Yeah. Yeah. And Ryan is very focused on airspace safety. He follows up in the next sentence to say if they are something else. It must be a scientific priority to find out. So he considers that they could be something else, and we need to distinguish between UFO and UAP. And so I appreciate that. Um, The thing that I do find concerning, however, is that knowing that that's the push, I'm still waiting for the real UFO search to come under fire like where is the real ufo push on washington other than what we're seeing done with the work by stephen bassett and hopefully when we come back we'll be able to bring in my attention is now being brought to mufon and perhaps it's trying to seriously get into the game of lobbying and having some kind of advocacy on Washington. And that draws a concern. I think it does draw a concern. But once again, 
what we need to figure out, and I wish more ufologists would would think about this, are we creating a misnomer here, UFOs versus UAP? And with all of these different groups lobbying now for to get into the game, okay, TTSA is still active. We know Galileo is active. We know Enigma Labs is active. We know MUFON has just teamed up with, with a lobbyist group in Washington, D.C. called A10 Associates and has already gone as far without their membership knowing that they've placed uh, the owner and the creator of that company on their board of directors, Ryan Graves' team, and there are many others that are are trying to get involved here. And we'll continue this conversation when we return on Spaced Out Radio. Is lobbying good in D.C.? Do you want lobby groups for UFOs? Are they relevant? The UFO Report with Tim Senor returns after this. Excuse me. Our Keith, and what a great night. Oh. So many questions for that guy. Oh, yeah. He's so deep. Uh, Ryan Graves was never involved in the To the Stars Academy. Yeah. I've got lots more on this. Old Johnny Davies there says, as much as I hate UAP, it helped get rid of the stigma of UFO and associated the UFO topic with the rest of the phenomena being seen. Brian Prusak, how you doing, buddy? Good to have you back. Yeah. I have this little itch in my throat right there. And every Friday I get it. Try a back scratcher. No, it won't get that. That's why I had a fisherman's friend. Oh, man. I went to the optometrist today to get some new lenses. And um, he had totally two different lenses. And, like, one was really wrong. One was great. But um, it was, like, one of those things where at first I thought it was me, you know. And (laughs) eventually he figured out that it was the lenses. But, man. It's so weird getting glasses. You must know anytime you get new prescriptions. Oh, yeah. It's so bizarre. I go on the 30th. Oh, no kidding. Yep. Yep. These have been the best frames. These Ray-Bans here have been the best frames I've ever had. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Tried and true. What was I, I going to say? <clears throat> you want to see some some nasty crap coming down the pipe here? Dude, you should be checking Twitter on Canadian politics right now. Like our spy agency, CSIS, released a report that uh, 
the last two elections that Justin Trudeau won were truly ceases has come out with this. This isn't just somebody speculating. They infiltrated our election process and then donated a million dollars to the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation through Chinese businesses. And and Trudeau uh, apparently knew but didn't do anything about it he allowed the Chinese government to set up a Chinese police station in Canada. Yeah, dude. This is all true. This isn't conspiracy. It is all over Twitter right now. How does that make you feel? I mean, like, the prick right should, under our nose. The prick should resign. But he won't. Yeah, but be- how does that happen right under your nose? How do they set up a station without because, people wondering because he uh he is too maniacal and and too uh, uh arrogant that he lets his arrogance act like teflon hmm. <clears throat> oh yeah Sociopath. you want to see a real mess you guys think you got a oh, voters no. mess in the united states okay whether or not the last one was right that is nothing compared to what has happened here in Canada. Nothing. Any predictions on what it's going to turn out like? I think he's going to resign. He's going to be forced to resign. And if he doesn't, his party will collapse. And, you know, look, it doesn't matter what my politics are. The guy's an asshole. Pardon my language. Okay. Commercial. Yeah. Well, I realize that. I don't like swearing on, on the YouTube anymore. But sometimes you got to call an asshole an asshole, okay? And that's what the guy is, okay? So wow. He, he's the – oh, dude. Wow. Yeah. That's that's wow. How does – I mean, wow. <laughs> I don't know where to start with any oh, of that. Oh, yeah. That's, it hurts. Oh, yeah. I mean – Oh, Canada. This is a guy who has gone publicly, and you can find the tape on it, where he says he admires the basic Chinese <clears throat> dictatorship. Right. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh boy. Uh, thank you to our super chatters tonight. And here we go with the final half hour. <clears throat> third we're heading for home tonight on spaced out radio thank you so much for joining us my name is dave scott very much appreciate earning your listening ears want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old davy the favor hit that subscribe button our website is spacedoutradio.com. we have a plethora of features for you Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok 
at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with the UFO report. Our main man, Tim Senor, is with us. Tim, we are talking about lobbying for UFOs in Washington, D.C. after a new group set up by former fighter pilot Ryan Graves, who is an experiencer of something strange in the sky while a fighter pilot is uh, taking some aim here at the UFO lobbying market. On a clear, sunny day in April of 2014, two F-A-18s took off for an air combat training mission off the coast of Virginia. The jets, part of my naval fighter squadron, climbed to an altitude of 12,000 and steered towards warning area W-72, an exclusive block of airspace 10 miles east of Virginia Beach. All the traffic on the training area goes through a single GPS point at a set altitude, and almost like a doorway into a massive room where military jets can operate without running into other aircraft. And just at the moment that the two jets crossed the threshold, one of the pilots saw a dark gray cube inside of a clear sphere, motionless against the wind and fixed directly at the entry point. The jets, only a hundred feet apart, zipped past the object on either side. The pilots had come so dangerously close to something they couldn't identify that they terminated the training mission immediately and returned to base. And this is what draws concern for pilots. And this is why we're seeing such a push by Graves and the advocacy for awareness over the airspace that we currently have. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And he's absolutely right. We need to be aware of what these things are because um, there have been close calls. The fact is there were 114 of which I think they had considered some of those balloons, but a lot of them were unidentified. And so there's plenty of near misses that there are out there. And so this is absolutely a reasonable push. Now, we need to be sure that we distinguish UFO from UAP at some point. And I think that even in Ryan Graves' uh, advocacy group, he is distinguishing the two, and we need to figure out what they both are. However, I feel that the real push that I'm interested in, that our group is interested in, is the real enigma of UFO. I didn't mean to pull in enigma too soon here, but of course, groups like that that are pushing for a certain polarity i feel perhaps for funding or looking to be the one-stop shop for ufo information i find that's dangerous but again i like the advocacy groups going to washington and pushing the need for more attention more scientific data to be driven but i think that they need to be clear when they do get to congress that there are these two very real different things and they need to also express how there's enough information on both to prove that they both exist. It's not just all balloons. No, I agree with you. It's definitely not just balloons at all. And Ryan Graves, the one thing I like about him is he hasn't done anything to cause controversy in this field. The only thing that he has said is, this is what I saw while driving my FA-18 Super Hornet. This affected me. It made me curious about what's in the sky, and now I'm working and trying to do something about it productively. That's what I like about Ryan Graves. 
you bring up the difference between what Ryan Graves and his group are doing compared to Enigma Labs, who's the faceless UAP shadow. That's, in my opinion, scary. Comparatively to what Graves is doing while being the face of this group and saying, look, we want to know what's going on just like you do. But we still have to, like you said, and we're going to sound like a broken record here. We still have to define what is a UFO and what is a UAP. Now, right. you know, so I'm willing to give Ryan the benefit of the doubt on what he is doing because he's played a clean game. You haven't seen him on Twitter or battling UFO Twitter or, you know, doing a bunch of, you know, interviews just to get their name out in the subject. You know, he he is, you know, very cautious with who he talks to. He's very cautious. And I've never spoken to the man. I've never reached out to him. It is on my list of things to do for our audience. Okay. But he's very cautious about what he is doing because the work right now seems more important than the media. And the other thing that he is doing that I've noticed is he's being the face of the franchise, of his own franchise. When he has news, he releases it. When he has something to update, he releases it. There's no shine to it. There's no uh, Enigma Labs to it where you don't know who's talking. You know that you're getting the information from him. This is all stuff I like. Okay. But the question, like I bring up previously in the last half hour, how many of these groups do we need now? And what are they actually vying for, for UFOs or UAP? Because a lot of the stuff the military has already taken care of for decades. Right. Well, I think what they're trying to do, or what it appears to be, is that they are a credible source of information, potentially even a military source of information without having to get it from the Navy and wait potentially for our military to disclose. Because they've been pretty clear that they're not going to give anything away. So we have to turn to the next best thing, which are our military personnel, either active or not. And so not only is Ryan doing that, but I'll also mention that he has a podcast where he gives a place for other whistleblowers to come forward, just like he did, and give them a comfortable space where he interviews them. And then he makes it available, I think, on YouTube and lots of other podcast sources for people to get firsthand witness accounts. And basically, he's creating a public log. You know, if he needs to point a congressman to it, he can say, pull out your phone and check out this interview and check out this minute there where this witness talks about this happening. I feel like that is a very user-friendly way to get this in the hands of the people that need to know it. And so it's all, it's absolutely the right way of going about it. Um, And I also, you know, hand anyone that's willing to go public with this in any way credit, because this is not an easy topic to talk on. And so the fact that he's highlighting this, you know, that we need more safety in the air as being the first and um, utmost highlight 
to his motivation seems fair. When you hear stories like this, how an up-close and personal UAP event takes place, um, it could potentially be hazardous, and so it needs to be addressed. Now, there's a whole other element that he's implying that there's a UFO element that it could be, and some of the events taking place could be within that gray area, but um, he's not focusing on that. He's really trying to focus on what we can prove as being a, a hazard. And so I think that's fair. At some point, we're going to have to agree that there is uh, this gray box that we need to figure out. Because as tough it is as it is to admit, UFO has to be discussed and we have to figure out what to do about it. Right? Um, right. And I agree with you. We have to figure out. I think that's a powerful statement. We have to figure out what we're going to do about it. But the thing that I don't like, Tim... And I see this pattern forming, and our audience should pick it up too. You may agree with it, you may not. But all of these groups now that are vying for this, all of a sudden there's a sense of secrecy of what they're actually doing in Washington, D.C., and who they're talking to, and who they're dealing with, and what their role is there. Why is this becoming secretive? Because we have private companies and private boards that are making movements towards whatever this UAP thing is. This is concerning for me because there's not a lot of transparency going on as everybody tries to jump into the UAP narrative. Everybody wants a piece of it. MUFON wants a piece of it. Tom DeLong is still spreading his TTSA gobs, gospel on it. And everything is in secrecy. Okay, What the hell does MUFON need to be in Washington, D.C. for? Enigma can do what they want. They're a private company. Okay? And they're either going to make it or they're going to break it. Ryan Graves' company is private. They can do what they want. Galileo Project, a bunch of public scientists led by Avi Loeb from Harvard trying to get the public on board. We're going after them UAPs. What have they done? This is what I'm saying is... They are all doing things on the down low. Sure, they'll talk to people off the record. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Tell the public. Tell the public. Don't just give a one-liner at the Politico or to the Washington Post or the New York Times. What are you doing? What is the goal do you even know what your goal is? Because right now when you say UAP, you're telling me Chinese drones, Russian drones, balloons. That's what you're telling me. You're not telling me UFOs. And that goes back to the antiquated TTSA days. Am I wrong? Please tell me if I'm wrong. No, you're exactly right. In fact, what comes to mind is that just things that are secret sells. You know, secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Anything that surrounds this is secretive and it sells. And we know that at this point, it's dollars for data. 
and they're looking to be the guys with the best collection so that when it comes time for whoever it is, federal government, to come and do its deep dive, or even NASA, if they're looking for solid research, who knows who they're going to pay? So the point is that we know that there are these serviceable dollars out there. And so these groups are ready to look their best and have this secret information that is potentially for sale. Yes, here's the public version, but let's just consider that there's this classified version that we have that we will share if necessary. And if the dollars are right, and if you owned us, look what you could own. Because we know that there are classified versions of MUFON. We know that there are classified versions potentially of Enigma because we don't get very much uh, information from them. We know that Galileo has been secretive. We've gotten nothing from TTSA. And so, so far, the only groups that are really transparent are groups like uh, New Fork and things like that, where you can just access any of their public files. But again, you know that there are classified versions there too. So consider that each of these organizations are wanting to appear that they are prepped and ready to service $4 and look like they literally are um, the top of the line for research. Just visit Enigma's website and you'll see that at this point they appear to be very high tech with the most modern um, information. And so I think that that is the appearance that we are, you know, kind of, kind of see. We're going to kind of see that from some of these groups. MUFON's going to have a new appearance. I've heard that they're looking to upgrade their website too. So um, my question with MUFON specifically would be the onboarding of Jessica Toko. And like you were saying, um, her association with A10 Associates and being a lobbyist group, is MUFON looking to have an advocate representing them? on the hill and potentially with their handout or are they just representing um to get information forward again we know that they did uh inform the public hearings and so they have um, been looked to in the past for information so what are your thoughts as far as that goes moving forward? Because I know um, we've talked a little bit about Jessica Toko's role and how she became a board of directors member without the knowledge of some of the state directors or any of the members. It was just an announcement that was made. So perhaps some of those uh, things are moving behind the scenes. They could very well be. They could be moving behind the scenes as we speak. But they, they always say that. Tim, I could tell you, you know, before our broadcast, we have business moving behind the scenes of SOR. Every business does. Oh, I was talking to some people. Can't tell you who I was talking to, but it was behind the scenes. Happens every day in this field. Okay? Happens every day. Right. I think it's important, though, that this topic gets put in front of Congress. I absolutely believe that. But... I want them to at some point get past the fact that there are these Chinese balloons and there's drones and there have been for about 75 years. Um, that's nothing new. They need to be aware of. Of course, there's a spy program. But I'm hoping that we get to the reality of UFOs there. You know what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to try, and I'm just fascinated with Tim Burchett, the congressman out of Arkansas. I'm fascinated by him. I'm fascinated by the fact that he believes that there is some secret government ploy 
regarding the UFO subject. Yeah. And if I get that opportunity, I just got his email to his PR person. If I get that opportunity to email him, well, I will email him, but let's say I could line up an interview for this show. I want to ask him, what is the purpose of UAP lobbying? And is there a difference on the Hill between UAP and UFOs? We need to ask and answer that question. Because I think the one thing that I'm learning is a lot more people are starting to see the difference between UAP and UFO. You certainly do when you listen to Marco Rub- or Mark Rubio, Marco Rubio uh, talk. Uh, whenever he talks about it, he absolutely distinguishes the two. And I think that even uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, when she's spoken on it, um, she has also kind of distinguished that there's an element of, the, the, of this that is absolutely unknown and needs to be considered. So that discussion probably is taking place. Again, you kind of do see some senators walk out of congressional hearings with a glazed kind of look on their face where maybe they've just had their hair blown back a little bit. Um, And so I would like to consider that perhaps the UFO element has been introduced on some level. Um, The reality, at least they're considering it there. Um, And now we know that some whistleblowers have already come forward. We don't know who um, and we don't know what's been said, but we definitely could consider knowing that um, some uh, Wilson documents were, you know, introduced that it could be something related to that. But Um, here's the thing, though, and we only got two minutes left. But for our public, why will Mark Zuckerberg go on camera publicly for hearings, yet whistleblowers to UFOs are going to be behind the scenes. Isn't that something that the American public needs to know if the whistleblower hearings are truly happening? Okay. Couldn't agree with you more. It's very frustrating to see people with nothing to lose talk on this topic. Exactly. And and Elon Musk and, and people with vested interests in potentially ET, right? And their belief in that. Um, They're very comfortable talking on this topic, but when you have political power and people behind you that perhaps pay for your seat somewhere, you you may not be able to burn that bridge by giving your real insight or your real thoughts on ET hypothesis. Why not? Might lose your support. But if that's the reality and the science and the research backs it up, it doesn't matter what the support says because the research is what you're basing it on. Yeah. And I think that you're starting to see what the fight on the Hill might be, right? Because a lot of the dollars are still going to be in private industry. They're not going to want to sink any investment into this because they can see it's going to be a no-win situation. At some point, they're going to just get dead-ended on it. They're not going to get any any further than the reality. It may be real, right? No, I, agree? I, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I agree that we need to do something here in order to figure out what is going on. Because the one thing that I have noticed from the from the UFO world is there are very few people concerned about all of these groups popping up 
now wanting to lobby and petition Washington, D.C. for UAP slash UFO studies. I don't know why it's happening. It doesn't make sense why it's happening. And nobody is talking about it. And when nobody talks about it, that's when we need to be talking about it. Tim Senor in the UFO Report, fantastic uh, discussion with you tonight on the subject. And uh, we went in depth, and we'll continue that in our overtime here on our YouTube channel. And a big thank you to our radio audience for tuning us on in. Thank you to Swamp Dweller and R. Keith Andrews for coming on in and putting on one heck of a good show tonight. I hope you really enjoyed it, because I sure did. And I can't wait for our next one. Because that's what we do around here, is we just keep going night in and night out. Night in, night out. Night in, night out. Times five. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up. For the guitar god himself, special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright. It's based out radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Good night. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.